Welcome to Pew Pew Panel with Eric and Ava. Today we're going to discuss revolvers for self-defense, nerf gun fights, firearms training, and much more. Eric, how are you doing today? Wonderful girl. How are you? How's I'm doing uh, I'm doing well. Uh, I did have my wisdom teeth pulled out. So if I'm looking a little fat-faced, that is why. Um, but you know, whatever. The show must go on. Um, before the show goes on, though, you actually wanted to talk about Gideon Optics. Absolutely. It's one of our show sponsors, Gideon Optics. They got some awesome stuff that they've been doing. And uh, I really think their optics, you know, pack a fantastic value. My favorite mm -hmm. optic from them is their mediator. It's their red dot site. It's very ruggedized. In fact, they're on sale right now. They've been running sales all through the weekend, you know, with Thanksgiving over Black Friday and everything. They ran some great sales and stuff like that. Uh, they've got their Omega red dot site. They've got a lot of ruggedized pistol sights as well. Really good stuff. I think that they pack a great value into these optics for what they sell them for in terms of what you get. And I've been running them on a lot of stuff and I've been happy with them. I've shot them on a variety of different handguns especially their handgun sites. And uh, I've been digging them. Really, yeah. Really nice value. Absolutely. And if you guys want to check it out, it's Gideon, G-I-D-E-O-N optics.com. Sweet. All right. So to start off the show, let's do some mail call. Who wants to go first? I think you should go first. Since you all already right. know all right. All right. Okay. So yeah, you're right. You don't even know what I'm doing. So over the weekend, I got this. And it is actually, it's called the Grip Keeper. And um, I liked, so, okay, I, I saw this first in the uh, the Sig Rose community Facebook group. Somebody posted this. And you know how, like, they have, like, on Amazon and stuff, like, your grip, uh, like, a grip strengthen, you know? And, and I've seen those before. And I was just like, yeah, okay, you know. But what I like about this one is... They are made specifically for the for different guns. So I requested the one from like Smith and Wesson 2.0, uh, but they have the one for like the Sig P365, uh, CZ. I mean, if you go on the website, they have like all kinds of stuff, and then it has these springs on it, and then you just kind of like practice with your grip. One thing that I will say, so people are probably looking at it and like, oh, well, that's kind of dumb. But honestly, the most important thing about shooting a lot of times is your grip. And as a firearms instructor, which we'll talk about here later on in the show, I've seen all kinds of things. And getting your grip down is really difficult for a lot of people. But also one thing that I've noticed that I have to work on is with my non-dominant hand really putting that hand to work because it seems like I put my right hand, you know, my right hand does a lot of the gripping and all the work. But after using the Mantis device, um, it said that I wasn't using my left hand as much to grip and control that recoil. And after it said that, I was like, you know what? I actually don't. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm hoping to kind of, you know, put in the work and, uh, and hopefully this kind of improves some of my shooting, but it's not as easy as it looks. I mean, it's like, it requires quite the effort. And, um, on the, on the website, you can get it in like different weights. So if you, you know, if you wanted less of a workout, I don't know what I was given, but I'm assuming it's quite a bit. Cause I can't, I definitely can't squeeze it completely together. Um, and then they do all different colors. So solid colors or this multicolor, which is kind of like blue on one side and sort of a magenta on the other. But I thought it was pretty cool. So yeah, if you guys want it, uh, website is gripkeeperstore.company.site. And there's a link in the show notes if you guys are interested. Sweet. 
I remember uh, Ava, the first time I met Jerry Mitchell, account, you know, he extended his hand and I went to shake Jerry's hand. And I was like, oh, <laughs> crap, like, you know, I got a pretty, pretty good grip, you know, but Jerry's got a freaking hell of a grip. You know, I was thinking, God dang, son, you eat your freaking Wheaties, don't you? <laughs> right. That is so funny. Well, you know how they say you could judge it a lot about a man's character by, you know, his handshake. And yeah. sometimes I think people take that way too, you know, to heart because I'll shake some people's hands and I'm like, okay, like nothing for nothing, but like I'm a female. I got like smaller hands, a little bit more feminine, you know, and I'm just like, like, it feels like they just like crack my, you know, knuckles in the process. And I'm like, okay, nice. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like that's a dude on dude thing. Like you shouldn't try to put the grip on a freaking lady when you're shaking. Yeah. You know, I mean, you don't do it to another guy, especially if I he's agree. a little weenie, pasty guy that, you know, he's a little weenie son of a bitch or whatever yeah i agree <laughs> i always think that i'm just like okay wow like it kind of just shows that i don't know i i don't i think i think it does show a lot about their character because when a guy gives me a handshake like that there's like the firm you know like nice handshake that's not all you know sloppy but when it's like too aggressive i'm like cool you probably have like you're like compensating for something or you have some weird ego thing going on so i judge him as well by that but so don't get too crazy on the grip machine now. You don't want to go, you know, cracking people. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Show us what you got. Cause uh, speaking of grips. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I figured Ava that you were going to go there. So some of you have probably seen the anti-matter uh, scope. What is this thing called? The scope switch. Okay. And what it is, is you put this thing on your gun and it installs on the rail system and has a series of wires that connect to uh, your optic and it adjusts the magnification. All right. And I know you've seen, I know people have seen videos where you work your hand back and forth on the handguard, you know, and you, you, you move this lever. Look, I'll show you what it looks like. I'll pull it out. Um, you, you run this le lever to the rear like this. Okay. You can see. Now, there's a lot of wires connected. I haven't installed it yet, but you run this lever back and forth and it adjusts your uh, magnification on your optic. So that allows you to keep your uh, hands on the fire control mechanism on the rifle, maneuver the rifle, and then just with a quick movement, be able to punch that uh, magnification up if you need to. So they sent one of these out uh, for me to install and use. Um, I haven't had a chance to install it. I just got it. So that's the antimatter scope switch. And they are working on. A mechanical version, okay, that uses, uh, you know, just like a literal button that you can put on your rail and just push the button. So, um, you know, it, it, so there were some funny memes kind of floating around about that uh, thing, you know, just the innuendos are, are certainly there. <laughs> I know. Uh, the first time that I saw it, I was at Utah in Utah, and it was like in the spring or something, and um, I made like a pretty funny video that never made it to social media because it was pretty inappropriate, but we had some pretty good laughs about it. And uh, the guys at, well, is it, is it flux that does it or were they sharing a booth or are they just good friends? I, I think they're just good friends. I wasn't sure, you know, if Ben over there has anything to do with this company directly, but I think, I think they're just buddies or whatever. Okay. But Cause the flux guys, the flux guys got a pretty big kick out of it. They were laughing. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. actually maybe I posted it to my Patreon group for a good laughs, but it's not out in the wild really. <laughs> but <Maybe> yeah, <laughs> I know. Right. Um, but yeah, it's pretty funny, but it's, it's actually pretty genius because 
you know, I mean, it is a pain in the butt to like, you know, zero in on your scope and stuff or make those adjustments without like, you know, without too much movement. So I think it's a pretty genius idea. All right, cool. And if you guys want to check that out, uh, we'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. So now uh, it is time for the would you rather questions. And this one came from Honey R. And if you guys have any would you rather questions for us, just put it in the comment section below on the Pew Pew panel YouTube page um, or just email us at pewpewpanel at gmail.com. So this question is, would you rather have a Nerf gun fight or a water gun fight? Oh, man. I'm doing, now, probably, dude, a water gun fight's a lot of fun. I mean, are we talking like 1990 super soakers that actually like hurt you? Yeah. <laughs> Remember I that? Know, right? Yeah. The real deal super soakers from yeah. back in the day? Oh, I do. Those things had some power, but then again... So did the Nerf guns from back in the day. Like those things. I, I know. Like those, some of those Nerf guns, they got like pretty high tech. And uh, I mean, they were, they were able to shoot like quite a bit, you know, pretty quickly. I'm going to say Nerf gun fight. I'm going to say water gun fight because I mean, especially being a female, like, especially like if you have your hair and your makeup all done and then there's nothing worse than like getting ambushed by a water gun. You're just like, Really? Really? <laughs> you just wouldn't understand, right? Like, you know, you know, long hair, but yeah. All right. So you say, you say Nerf gun, I say water, water gun fight. You know, um, Nerf gun, you can have a Nerf gun battle in the house though. You know, that's you can have true. A water gun battle in the house. You can hide behind furniture and that's you know, true. Yeah. Take hostages. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but then again, there's something good to be said about going outside and, true. you know, People need to go outside more, in my opinion. All right, listener questions. This is from Live Laugh LARP podcast. He said, are revolvers still a viable option as a primary carry or should it remain as a backup slash New York reload? Um, I'm going to say it's a viable option. I mean, again, as a firearms instructor, there's lots of people that come in and they're like, hey, I don't want to know about a lot. Like, I don't want to know a lot about certain guns or like, you know, the, as stupid as it sounds, sometimes like just having the mag release, the slide lock, the takedown lever, all of these like little buttons on the gun, a lot of times will confuse people or they, you know, it, it seems, um, I don't know, just like scary to them. So the idea of having this revolver where it's very simple, literally, you know, pop out the cylinder, load it, pop it back in, whether you bring back that hammer or apply more pressure to the trigger, shoot in double action mode. For whatever reason, I mean, people still, you know, they like that. As far as it shooting better, in my opinion, I don't think that revolvers shoot as well as semi-autos, especially um, striker fire guns. But I would say, yeah, it's still viable. Um, I mean, there's definitely a lot of a lot of cons to revolvers that, you know, as far as like, you know, the, uh, the cylinder capacity and stuff. And I don't know, Eric, have you ever tried to like reload a revolver really quickly, like using a speed loader? Cause I have, and like those things do not work that fast. I mean, if you're Jerry Mikulik, sure. <laughs> but getting that little like round thing, okay. Lining it all up and then like, you know, twisting it off so that it releases the cartridges. It's just not very ideal, I don't think. 
Jerry, you know, Jerry is a revolver artist. So I think that he definitely, you know, tends to be the exception, maybe not the rule. And that's not saying that there are a lot of good revolver shooters out there getting some good work done. I think there are some limiting factors for self-defense that you have to consider. I mean, don't get me wrong. A J-frame revolver from Smith & Wesson, something small and 38 special, a little five shot. Someone's right on top of you. You put that thing right in their gut and give, yeah. give a couple, you know, apply some pressure, you know. Okay, close range, like the right on top of you, sure. You know, typical ranges that you would shoot, you know, in a handgun uh, fight, sure. A revolver certainly is going to do the job. But where you really get into some good performance out of revolvers is once you start getting in that longer barrel length. And a lot of people are not really willing to carry a revolver with a longer barrel length. Like if we're talking a 357 Magnum with a six inch barrel, now you're talking, uh, that's some, that's some energy. Okay. That's, that's definitely, you know, 158 grain uh, bullet uh, out of a six inch barrel, certainly going to ruin um, anyone's day. Uh, very much so way, way more than nine millimeter. I think where we start to compare our striker fire guns to like maybe a, a J-frame revolver, I mean, obviously you mentioned capacity. That is a limiting factor is the limited capacity and the difficulty in reloading uh, the, the revolver compared to a handgun. Also with the handgun, you get much faster follow-up shots in a, in a, in a semi-auto, which I do like, and you get more capacity. So there's some obvious trade-offs there that are good. And then obviously, you know, when you're talking a, a full-size 9mm pistol and you're using modern projectiles, modern propellants, I mean, 9mm has come a long way over the years. You know, if we're talking about nine mil defensive ammo from, you know, two or three decades ago, is that to say that what we have now is a lot better? Um, I think that answer, Ava, is is definitely yes. I think we mm -hmm. have way better defensive ammo now uh, in terms of and, and options than what we had before. So is that to say that a revolver is not a viable defensive unit? I would say no. Revolvers are absolutely a, a, a viable defensive unit because at the end of the day, the gun you have in your hand is, is the gun that is the gun you need to have. If, yeah. if someone's trying to hurt you, I'm pretty sure you'd, you'd be okay with a single shot if that's all you had. Uh, oh, yeah. So I think it's important that whatever whatever gun you have is going to be the one you carry every day. Mm -hmm. If a J-frame revolver means that you're going to tuck that thing in your waistband or in your pocket and carry it every day, and you might leave the full size, size auto at home half the time, well, then what gun is going to be the most useful? Probably the one you have on your person when you need it. Yeah. So if having a, a small revolver means you're going to carry more often, well, then by gosh, carry a revolver if that means you're going to carry every day. Yeah. That said, though, they're super light. Very yeah. light. Oh, yeah. No, there's definitely a lot of good revolvers out there. I actually toured Smith & Wesson's factory where they make revolvers. And uh, that was actually that was really cool. That made me want. I don't know. I think I mean, they've been doing the same thing that they've been doing for like 100 years. Um, but that said, one thing that irks me is the fact that people aren't willing to learn more. Like if you're going to own a gun, absolutely learn how to take care of specifically, you know, I mean that gun, I understand if you don't want to make it this hobby and learn about like every gun out there. But the fact that people are like, yeah, I just, you know, I want something easy. I don't want to be bothered. I mean, regardless, like you have this, this weapon and you should at least learn how to use that and know everything about that gun. So don't let the idea of like, you know, the, the mag release, the, the slide lock, takedown lever, all of that stuff deter you. And, and as a result, you go over to a revolver. Cause I think just with like a little bit of effort and learning, a lot of people ultimately will pick the, 
you know, the semi-auto over the revolver. So just wanted to put that out there. It is funny how technology changes too. Like, yeah. I mean, imagine the, the groups of people that grew up their whole life riding horses or having yeah. a, a carriage that was drawn by horses and yeah. then to see a car for the first time and think, you know, what is this abomination? You know, I don't know. I'm going to stick to my trusty horse, you know? Yeah. But then eventually those people, even those people that grew up around horses their whole life, eventually took a ride in a car and went, holy crap, I don't have to feed it. I don't have to clean yeah. up the crap. I don't have to worry about it getting sick or dying or whatever. Like, wow, this is better. So people just have to be brought over. I mean, and if a revolver means that it's a good entry into that realm, that people are going to at least like consider owning a gun and maybe their revolver is their first gun. Well, yeah. once they do wind up learning the manual of arms of an auto loader, they're still going to have the trusty old revolver they started on. So I think people should be more open-minded to learn more. For mm -hmm. sure. Yeah, absolutely. That was an excellent example. Okay, listener questions. So we have a few. Um, a lot of you guys wrote some really nice comments. Uh, Billy Heaton 16, he said, I've been following Eric for nine years and just discovered you, Ava, three weeks ago. I have to say this is a five-star podcast. It is interesting, the knowledge that you have, Ava. I even got my wife watching and she's not really a gun person. Keep it up. Love hearing that. And the same thing goes for my other podcasts. I have so many people that... Uh, we'll say like, yeah, you know, I'll have your podcast playing. And then like my wife eventually gets into it and she'll listen. Now we listen to it together. So I love that, uh, especially getting more women involved. That was the whole reason why I became, you know, like why I got into this industry was with the intentions to get more women involved in the gun industry and get them educated and equipped, you know, with the ability to protect themselves. So I love hearing this. Next is Bernie Strait 126. He said, here 4.30 in the morning and on my way to work. Thanks, you two. This is the best way to end a short week before Thanksgiving. You two don't know how great it is to have this to drive to work and listen to. Love you too. And you're one of the best things on the tube. I've been listening to Eric for 10 years now, Ava for a year and won't stop. You talk about the things that matter, even the things that are everyday things help in some way or another. Anyway, love you. And please don't stop my drives with my uh, with you two are a 10. Uh, God bless and stay safe. And then uh, someone put uh, this guy, I don't know, D. Ross Punter. Uh, he said, I'm not interested in what a girl has to say about guns. And then G54B95 said, then don't watch. <laughs> and then I said, hey, maybe we should do an episode where we get all the haters on and we see who can answer the most questions about guns. I feel pretty confident you'll respect more women moving forward. And then that person didn't respond. And I said that to a few people because I think somebody also called me a nitwit. And I commented the same thing. And I was like, you know what? If people think that I don't have any knowledge about guns, I think that we should get these people on the show. We should do like a quiz, you know, just have people like randomly call in, ask questions. So it's not even, you know, it's not like, oh, it's already pre-planned and I already know the answers. And we'll see who can answer the most questions about guns because I'm not claiming to be the most knowledgeable out there. I definitely stay in my lane. I know exactly like what I do know, what I don't know. But I will say when it comes to guns, especially modern day guns, I definitely... I, I'm pretty confident in knowing my stuff. So, uh, yeah, I mean, keep the hate coming, but 
if anybody's interested, I think we should do it. I think that would be a great episode. <laughs> I think what we should do is not only do the Q&A where people try to stump Ava and me. Look, people can field a question to me and try to stump me too. I think we should do it under the influence of capsatium, like lots of peppers. Like we should be, <laughs> we should be absolutely blitzed on hot peppers the whole time. Sweat. Let's do it. Yeah, just to add the extra element. Now, you can go as hot as you want. I mean, I'll eat the freaking crazy pepper that we talked about in the previous shows. Um, he actually, one of those guys reached out to me recently and offered to send some of those peppers out. So I'll reach back out to him. Yeah. And I'll get those peppers on the way for sure. Yeah, we did. We had a listener and he said, Hey, if you guys are interested in the peppers, um, I think he said he grows them and he's willing to send some. And, and so, uh, Brandy actually sent us the email cause she reads the emails and, and she was like, what should I tell this guy? And I was like, yeah, definitely get back to him and, and tell him to send us, you know, send us some peppers. Um, man, speaking of peppers, I had the best Bloody Mary yesterday. It was so good. So I don't know if you've ever tried pinnacle vodka. Um, I'm kind of like a, like, I like high end alcohol mostly because as I get older, you know, it's, it has to be like a little bit higher end or better quality of those. I just get sick. But, um, so pinnacle is not really like high end, I wouldn't say, but I had their habanero vodka with bloody mary mix and oh it was so good so good like i'm i probably shouldn't buy it because i'd probably have a bloody mary like every morning <laughs> that was my grandmother's drink of choice she she loved bloody mary's and um you know her her people were descended from like french fur trappers up in maine so yeah. like apparently up there bloody mary's are a big deal I, I don't know but uh yeah that my grandmother i have a lot of fond memories of my grandmother cooking for us on sunday and and nursing a Big old Bloody Mary. Well, I went to a, a friend's house for a friend's giving yesterday uh, on on Sunday, and um, they were out of town for Thanksgiving, so they wanted to get together with like all of their close friends. And so I went over there, and uh, um, they had a Bloody Mary bar, and I was like, "Dang!" Like it was. I mean, it was nice. It was like all the fixings, you know, bacon, all the olives, pickles, salami, cheese. I mean. The only thing that they were missing were probably like a cheeseburger put on top of your Bloody Mary, but uh, it was good. And then needless to say, like by the time the food came out, I had, I was pretty full from Bloody Marys, <laughs> but it was good. Um, okay, so let's start the main topic. Today's main topic is, uh, of course, my computer just started to pop up with all these, these things. Um, uh, okay, so main topic. So we're going to be talking about uh, being a firearms instructor. And Eric, I don't know. Are you are you an NRA instructor by chance? No. I don't know if I ever asked that. Okay. No, I, I never went through any kind of an instructor certification at all. Okay, because I know a lot of people do. They just do it for the fun of it or to add to their, you know, their credentials and stuff like that, um, whether they teach or not. But that's actually how I got in the firearms industry is... I started off in 2013. Uh, my mom was a firearms instructor. And looking back, I mean, even 10 years ago when I became an instructor, there wasn't a lot of female instructors. So like for my mom to be an instructor way before that was kind of like she was sort of a pioneer for her time. And I guess I didn't really realize it at the time, you know, growing up with her being a firearms instructor. Um, but after my mom passed away, like, and I moved back to Colorado to help my dad, um, I you know, I, I 
tried to learn as much as I possibly could about firearms and, you know, my, my parents owned a gun store and a gun range and all of this stuff. And if anyone's not familiar, my dad is dragon man. Um, I only started really coming out and saying that this year, which is a long story. Um, but I did put a pretty funny little reel and, and stuff on about him, uh, recently on my social media. Um, but anyway, so my mom always did like all of, you know, all of the book work and stuff. And then my dad was kind of the face of it. And so when I moved back, I was determined to learn as much as I possibly could just to help with the family business and kind of save it because it kind of was in jeopardy since my dad didn't really know any of the paperwork stuff. And, um, so I wanted to take up training and all the guys that came into the store to use the range or teach classes, they were all guys. They were all, and most of them were like a lot of old men. There weren't even really that many younger guys. And, um, and so I realized I'm like, well, I mean, it's fine. It's not like I only want to learn from women. I think it's important to learn from everybody, you know, cause everybody has different, you know, different experiences, different techniques. Um, but so I decided to become a firearms instructor and I took my, um, a very, like a bunch of different classes, all NRA at the time. I am USCCA, uh, certified as an instructor as well as recently, but, um, all of the different credentials and classes that I took, like refused to be a victim, personal protection inside, outside the home. Um, I think it was like shotgun, pistol, um, all kinds of stuff. And, and I took it from different instructors because I thought that was also important not to just to take it from one person. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I didn't really start meeting other female instructors until maybe a few years in, but long story short, I've been doing it now since 2013. I created my business elite firearms and training, which is here in Colorado Springs, still going strong, has a solid five-star review, thankfully. Um, hundreds and hundreds of reviews, which I'm very thankful for. I feel pretty confident. Like I've taught thousands of people at this point. And for a long time, like for years, this was my only form of, um, making a living. Like this was like my full-time job was teaching. And there was times where like I taught, I don't know, I'd say four or five times a, uh, a week. Um, and also again, in 2020, I taught a lot too. It was really busy. And now I will say, I'll admit I've gotten just really busy and, um, I haven't really had as much time to teach as much as I have. So now I'm probably down to about once or twice a month. Um, maybe that'll change in the future. I don't know, but yeah. So, I mean, essentially I became a firearms instructor to, um, I mean, to one, to educate myself, but then also just because I saw that there was a, a need for it. I didn't really set out thinking like, okay, I was going to make a career out of it. I just thought like, oh, this will be something that I do in the time being while I help with the family business. And then eventually I'll go back to, you know, maybe something along the lines that I was doing when I lived in New York city, which at the time was working for the New York Yankees in legal and finance. So. Wow. Girl. Yeah. Yep. Um, it make you feel good, you know, to, to know that you kind of help empower people in, in their lives and help them be better prepared. You know, you get a good sense of fulfillment from it. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I'll admit, so like the reason why I've kind of also, um, I guess maybe done, you know, other things lately and not taught as much is because it does burn you out pretty quickly. And, and I, I don't think a lot of people admit that, but, um, you know, doing it for 10 years, like it requires a lot of patience 
And you do, there's some days where you're just like, oh, this is the last thing that I want to do. But I will say after every class, like, I don't think that there's ever been a class that I taught where afterwards I didn't leave feeling like, you know, like just so grateful. And I just felt really good that like, I just taught these people now how to protect themselves. And, and then also on top of that, um, it's kind of, I mean, I, I guess maybe, maybe it's a little, um, what am I trying to say? It's, it's a little, I don't know. I think now also I like teaching because, um, more than ever because I've gotten more into politics. So I do talk politics in my class and I know a lot of people are like, Oh, don't, you know, don't bring politics into it. But I feel like it's a good opportunity to discuss politics and sort of demystify a lot of the stuff that the media or politicians are saying, because, you know, guns have become so politicalized. And so when I'm talking about politics and I, it's not like I'm like, you know, I've like pushed it on to people, but I like, you know, in my class, I, I like to have discussions and then you could just see like people kind of have like that aha moment where they're like, oh, wow, like I was kind of lied to, or, you know, like, like a lot of the stuff that, that is perceived in media isn't true. So that also is kind of fulfilling because um, I think that we need more people out there. And I've, I've said, you know, this whole time that I think education is the key to a lot of things, to fixing a lot of issues. You know, it, I think that it's important for people to realize that th what their civic duties are. And part of your civic duties are understanding the laws and understanding things that are going on and, and knowing how important certain aspects of our rights really are. I mean, the first, the second, and the fourth amendment are arguably the cornerstone, you know, of everything that this country revol revolves around. So anytime mm -hmm. they're going after guns in any sort of way, we have to ring the bell. And, you know, I'm really more involved on the kind of political side, you know, Barry and I started gun gripes way early on. And we used to, you know, talk about all kinds of things going on in the gun world that we wanted to complain about everything from safety infractions to goofy guns that people brought in, you know, and, and that's how we kind of started that on the channel. Um, but I have gotten much more political and yeah, could I have taken the low hanging fruit and just stuck strictly to entertainment and probably made more money and been more successful? Mm -hmm. Probably could, probably could, but, but I made the, I made the choice to ring that bell for people and to put out information in, in every way that I could, you know, because I feel that it's part of my civic duty yeah. to ring the bell when it comes to infractions, you know, against our second amendment rights and whether mm -hmm. it's legislation or whatever. And the you're right. The training element and the political element go hand in hand because, you know, people are in that aha moment when they're realizing, wow, like this, this is a tool of self-preservation. And I'm learning how to use this and I feel empowered, right? What better time to let people know just how important their civic uh, duties are and their, and their responsibilities to themselves and the people around them than when they have, they've had that epiphany, they've had mm -hmm. that aha moment. And then, and then you go, Hey, by the way, you know, look, these people are trying to take our rights all the time. These are the things we yeah. need to pay attention to. Hey, there's state laws, there's federal laws. I kind of give a little bit of a basic civics breakdown on, on the whole civics of the matter. And people do uh, come away a lot more enlightened. And I think that that's, that's a very wise uh, thing to do. And there's probably a lot of firearms instructors, Ava, that would tell you to stay away from politics. But I think. Oh, there true. are. Yeah, no, there absolutely is.
Uh, there's like people that are like, I can't believe you talk politics. And I'm like, I can't believe that you don't, you know? And I guess, and I'm actually, I am surprised that to date, like nobody's written me a bad review where they're like, this girl just talks about politics. Like she's, you know, don't learn, like don't listen um, or don't take her class because of that. But, you know, so far I haven't, but I think I do it in a way that's like very um, tactful, I guess, you know, where it's not like me just like pushing. It's just like me just educating. And then I'm like, yeah, you guys can make your own choice from here on out. So Eric, um, what do you think would make a good instructor? Because there's lots of people that are like, hey, I like guns. I like talking to people. I'm a people person. I think I'm going to become a firearms instructor. Like, would you say that that's enough? Okay. Well, so I'm not a firearms instructor, but I have informally trained a lot of folks over the years. Okay. Mm -hmm. Most of it is usually like a friend of the family where they say, hey, you know, my son or whoever or grandson or whoever it may be, you know, it's usually a younger person. I've trained a lot of younger folks, lots of, you know, kids and stuff like that. And it's usually where the parents want to be involved with guns a little bit more, but they want their kids to get some training from someone that, that knows a lot about guns. So you always start them out with the 22 and go through the basics and discuss safety and all those sort of things. But I feel like when you look at an instructor, an instructor should be somebody you know, I have been trained by a lot of people over the years. I mean, I've received a lot of military training. Mm -hmm. And when I go back to my favorite instructors, I always think, okay, well, what was the one common thread that made those people stick out to me as being a good trainer versus someone who's just a mediocre trainer? Or one is I always think about like high school and, you know, the science teacher from high school that was always cool. Like you always had that one high school science teacher that would make the big gas bubbles in the buckets <laughs> and on fire, you know, and make a giant fireball in the classroom. And you always had the real straight laced ones that would never, Oh, never do anything inappropriate. But you always had yeah. the one that knew how to explain the science, but do it in an entertaining and fun way that was safe, but still made you go, wow, like you really wanted to pay attention. And you had an emotional connection to what you were learning because you're having fun. Yeah. So I feel like the best instructors are the ones that obviously, yeah, they're going to have emphasis on safety. They're going to have emphasis on all of the, the, the straight laced aspects of I me. Mean, hey, you're handling guns. You obviously got to be careful. But the ones that do it in a in, in a fun and playful way, like always, always think about Clint Smith. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like Clint is so freaking funny. Like he's he's telling you like really hard world truths. Like when yeah, but he's he's also kind of terrifying. Like I mean, I saw him like a few guys in my class when I took his class were like getting a little you know kind of emotional. Like you could tell him like, oh, are they gonna cry? <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I think that I love his personality. Like he's one of my favorite instructors out there. Maybe because he didn't pick on me a lot, and that's why I liked him. Um, but I, I get what you're saying. Like, you know, you do want somebody who's going to make that class fun and not be so like dr drill sergeant esque, you know, military minded. Um, because although it's really important to emphasize safety and make sure everyone's being safe, like you don't have to be a jerk in order to, you know, in, in order to emphasize that. Yeah. And, you know, quite frankly, the way I look at it too is like when you look at an instructor and you think about, okay, well, what's a person's credentials? Or whatever. I mean, well, well, the credentials could be that I took a class and learned how to train, and then my credentials are experience, right? Like experience is our greatest teacher, mm -hmm. right? So teaching thousands of students, yes, that that's like wow, you're learning like what works and what doesn't, and you're kind of honing your craft and honing your process. There's a difference between a person like that and a person that you know 
trudged around in the jungles of Vietnam and got shot at and, and, you know, a two way range will teach you a lot of things really quickly. Yeah. You know, so it's, there is an experience uh, aspect to it, but I think it's also the disposition of the instructor. You know, my favorite instructors are the ones that have military experience in combat, but aren't like full of themselves. Like they're cool, mm-hmm. easygoing. Yeah. You know. Well, and I, I think it also depends on what kind of uh, training you're receiving. Because personally, like I don't teach like tactics, you know, anything like that. Like I, I know, you know, like I don't have any experience with that. I've I'm not I don't have military law enforcement background and I'm not going to pretend to be something that I'm not. So I'm not going to be like, "Okay, cool, we're going to roll around this dirt, we're going to shoot behind cover, we're going to do this, we're going to do that." Like I'll teach like, yeah, the difference between, you know, like uh cover and concealment and stuff like that that people, you know, probably want to pay attention to, but ultimately I'm, I would be the first person that people are going to see that is going to get their foot in the door. And then after that, if they want to take more advanced classes, there's other instructors for that. And I always have come with recommendations. And I think that that's also important to know, you know, so I don't, I don't even think that that person, like on the other, uh, if you were to, you know, change it around that person that was, you know, fighting in the jungle, that was, you know, doing all that stuff, all that tactical stuff. I don't think that that person necessarily is like the right person to get somebody's feet wet and to just teach them the basics. And I think that that's also probably pretty boring for them as well. If that makes sense. It it actually makes a lot of sense because think about it to build a house. What do you have to have a solid foundation? Mm -hmm. So if you're building a house of gun knowledge, well, and it has to start at that core level where, where they're learning all the basic fundamentals from someone who's really level-headed and very thorough and very methodical and that methodical nature of teaching in that way, when you're teaching at a rudimentary level, it has to be really methodical because you have to lay down those foundations. And that's why, like you, you mentioned Ava, look, a lot of trainers may not admit that, that they get burned out or that, you know, it can be taxing on them, but it is taxing because it's thorough. I mean, look at the uh, attrition rate of, you know, grade school uh, teachers, like, you know, kindergarten teacher. I mean, yeah, a, a woman or a guy or whoever might teach kindergarten for a long time, but look at how many of them kind of go, all right, I want to move on to something. Yeah. Else. I can't take this for so long. Cause at that basic level, you do yeah. have to be really thorough and you have to be the most patient. Absolutely. Really yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. All right. So I'm going to talk about some of the craziest things that I've seen happen in class and I actually, I reached out to my sister because she was also a firearms instructor. And I was like, what are some of the craziest things that you've seen in class? Um, thankfully, like nothing has ever happened where there was, you know, an accident. I am so strict. And um, even like, you know, when I take people on the range for the first time, I only wet, I only let one student shoot at a time and I only give them one round at a time. So even if they freak out after they shoot that first round, even if they point the gun at everybody in the classroom, nobody's going to be hurt because that gun's not loaded. Not to say that I'm not going to stop them before that that happens, but I have it in like a very controlled environment where there's really, there's not a lot of room for any accidents to happen. Um, But that said, that's not to say that like people that have come in uh, that it doesn't, you know, it doesn't crack me up. Like, so for example, I had a woman who, um, she had to have been like mid seventies, eighties. And she came in and she had a Smith and Wesson, a 500 Magnum. <laughs> and this was like her first time shooting. And I was like, okay, yeah, no, I'm just going to pay for your rental. We're not shooting this gun. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that was pretty funny. I also had another older lady who came in and she stored her revolver in an oven mitt. And I thought that was like, like just so cute and also made me laugh. I bet she was happy you'd have that oven mitt though, wasn't she? Was it like an old school oven mitt or kind of? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it was super old. It was like, uh, yeah, it was like a really old oven mitt. It was cute. Um, and then I've seen some like really crazy stuff. Like I've heard just crazy stories about, you know, people um, having stalker stalkers or like falling victim to abuse. And I've had a lot of people cry in my class. Um, I've had a lot of people come into my class who had negligent discharges and they were court ordered to take my class. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've kind of seen it all and heard it all at this point, but thankfully nothing like too crazy like that, you know, that you would see that makes like, you know, uh, that makes like YouTube, um, you know, that makes the rounds like all over social media with the videos and stuff like that. Because I will say just because you're a firearms instructor doesn't mean that you really know what you're doing. And really, I mean, I don't know if a lot of people know, but like becoming an instructor, you know, it doesn't really, it's not that hard at all. It's literally, it's a weekend class. I think maybe it's like 18 hours, a shooting test or uh, a test where it's uh, multiple choice. It's, it's really not that hard. Yeah. Well, um, it, it is interesting when you, when you look at, the things that can go wrong and, you know, look, guns are inheritedly a dangerous object, right? And, you know, you're taking a bunch of people that have never handled guns before. And, you know, obviously safety is a really important aspect uh, to consider in all of that. And you mentioned more of the mental part of it. You know, I know before we've done podcasts talking about our mental health and how important it is. And, and look, you know, you almost have to play bartender a little bit as an instructor when you're teaching at that rudimentary level, you know, at the, mm -hmm. at the more, more basic level, because you got people showing up that have never fired a gun in their life. And maybe they've experienced something really traumatic and they're thinking, wow, I've got to arm myself. I've got to protect myself. And there's a lot of things that are going through these people's minds. Right. They're thinking about, you know, what they went through. They're thinking about how terrified they are. And then now you're putting this gun in their hand and they're having to, you know, sort out. Uh, in their minds, like the potential of taking another life or having to use a firearm to protect themselves. And, you know, people can get emotional in that state. I don't really have a lot of experience with that directly in an instructor, you know, uh, student type environment as, as me being an instructor. I will say that, you know, in military training, which I know is completely different than what we're discussing here, but in some of my military training, you know, there are some hard lessons that you learn. I mean, like when you're doing blue gun training and using less than lethal and submunitions and things like that. And, you know, you turn a corner and, you know, it's not a bad guy. It's one of your guys. And somebody does a blue on blue, you know, shoot your own guy in training by mistake. And sometimes those lessons suck because you're mm -hmm. thinking, wow, if this was combat, I just greased my own guy. Yeah. You know, and that's bad. Or getting an injury in training, you know, when you're doing, you know, a lot of very active movement where you're running around doing all kinds of stuff. I mean, getting injured is never, you know, fun. So it's always important, you know, to make sure you're being careful. And, you know, I know it sounds dumb, but tie your damn shoelaces, people. Like people don't tie their shoes or, I mean, like some of the silliest little things that I've seen people fall and have an accident on the range. And, you know, you're running around with loaded guns and stuff in the military on loaded machine guns like this isn't just any random you know gun you might have a belt fed or something so it's like you know it's very important those little p's and q's those little simple things 
like having your equipment in order is so important. So I was going to ask Ava, like when it comes to people showing up with gear, like I'm sure you've seen all the random gear all across the board, different types of holsters, different types of guns mm-hmm. and everything like that. And I know you'd mentioned the lady showing up with a 500 Magnum. What's the weirdest like gear that you've seen somebody bring to, to the range? Like maybe they, they brought a range bag and like a baby diaper bag or something or. Yeah. Um, so I'd say some of the guns that people show up with, I mean, some of these things are like super old where I'm like, okay, you may not even want to shoot that. This is probably an antique and it's probably worth a lot or you don't want to shoot it because I don't even think it's going to work. And at this point it might be more dangerous. Um, you know, even if it was like a single action revolvers, um, gosh, a lot of cheap guns, you know, like either it's a high point or a sky or uh Jimenez. I don't even know if they still make Jimenez guns, but those things are just like total garbage. I mean, I would take a high point or a sky any day over that. And, uh, you know, and then they just have issues. Like they can't even really enjoy the class or, or do the range time because it's just like malfunction after malfunction. Um, luckily, you know, the range that I teach at is, uh, which I'm an investor of, um, they, they rent guns. So if they are having any issues, there's always guns that they, they can rent or let's say somebody starts off with a nine because they're like, well, this is my husband's gun. They've never shot a gun. They're terrified. They shoot the nine they start crying. I don't want them to leave class. I'll have them do some dry fire drills, but then I just have them rent a 22 and then work their way back up to a nine. So lots of different options. And and luckily that, you know, that there is uh, rentals available so that they're not stuck with whatever they brought. And I think that even that is like pretty eye opening. Um, you know, even like the Ruger LCP, it has its place, but there's so many people that bought that gun and it's, you know, especially for, for a beginner, I mean, it sucks to shoot. And I think after that, um, they're, they're like, yeah, I'm just going to buy a new gun. Cause it's, you know, it's just, it's awful. The LCP is a great gun, but it's not one of those guns that I would put into someone's hands. For a beginner. Say, We're going to teach you trigger control and sight alignment. And you look at the sights and they're like just these little bitty cuts. Like I know. No low profile. <laughs> the trigger is like an awful staple gun trigger. Like it's not yeah. a very good gun to teach people fundamentals on for sure. No, I know. Yeah, that's actually it is kind of funny because even on a lot of those revolvers where you're trying to teach them sight alignment and you're like, okay, you know, the front sight, like easy enough to make out. But then those two little notches and you're like, you just got to like put them, you know, and and they're just like, I don't see the back sights. And you're like, okay, well, it's just these little divots right here where it's not as, you know, pronounced as as most guns out there. But Ava, what do you think the perfect gun is for a beginner who wants to go take a class let's just say a handgun like for someone that wants to go take a basic pistol course what's the ideal what's the ideal pistol so um oh look peach has just decided to join us so i would say that um a lot of times because a lot of people will take my class and they don't have a gun and i tell them you know not to buy a gun before taking the class take it first you're going to learn about a lot of the different types of actions and and different safeties and stuff like that and after that i think then they can make a little bit more of an educated uh purchase but typically when i'm helping them pick out a gun for the first time so i don't go super small I almost hate to say it, but I start them off with like a Glock 19 or maybe a Smith and Wesson 2.0, something that's like mid size. That's not going to have as much recoil. They're going to feel like they have like, 
you know, they're hands on, it's not falling out of their hands. And then also, I mean, the Glock, I mean, there's not that many like buttons on it that's going to confuse them, which, you know, sounds stupid. But if you're, you have this like object in your hand that is totally foreign to you. I mean, any of these little buttons or takedown levers or anything like that kind of seems terrifying. Um, I also really like the Smith and Wesson easy, but the thing that I don't like about that, where even the equalizer is that stupid grip safety. You know, I've noticed that, and this is why I'm like, oh, this is, you know, this thing's great, you know, to like really emphasize like, okay, you got to grip it like really hard, but that grip safety, I think even whether you're gripping it, you know, well or not, it still is one of those things where it's not that comfortable. Even for me to shoot, it's not that comfortable. It feels like, you know, kind of like digs. Um, but I've, I've seen a lot of people, you know, they grip the gun, they, they squeeze the trigger. It doesn't go off and it's because it's not squeezed it. You know, that grip safety is not squeezed all the way, but, um, but as far as like the way that, you know, it, it operates and the ease of, uh, loading the magazine with that easy. And then like the, the slide on the, uh, equalizer and the easy, uh, I mean, you go rack that thing. It's like butter. It takes very little effort. I think if somebody was going to get a gun in that size range, Ava, I would almost recommend the Shield Plus over any of those because you get better capacity, good sights. Good yeah, but the Shield, the Shield Plus though is really hard to rack. It That's probably true. and and I just say this: most guys don't realize that. A lot of guys have no idea, like they can't feel the difference between you know racking this slide versus racking the other side. I like the Shield Plus, and it's much better than the actual Shield, which I have both. I have multiple models and calibers of the Shield Plus and the Shield. Um, the Shield original, the Gen 1, was like the hardest gun for the longest time to rack. And then on top of that, the magazine, that spring in there was just really stiff. So I don't know. Um, if I was to go with... Let's see. If I didn't go with like the, the Glock 19 or like a Smith & Wesson 2.0... Um, I would go with, what other guns would I go with? Those kind of are the go-tos, aren't they, Ava? Yeah. I mean, I'm just like trying to think, cause I'm like Springfield. I mean, the XD series wasn't really that great, but XDM, even the XDS, like that was actually kind of, I kind of liked that gun when it first, you know, came out. I don't even think they make that gun anymore. Um, CZs, you know, there's, there's a lot of nice CZs out there. Ruger, I think is kind of like hit or miss. Um, but they, you know, I mean, even Ruger security, um, I don't have that gun, but I know a lot of people that have had a lot of like good luck with that and they shoot it really well. So, I mean, there's definitely lots of guns out there. I would say just pick something that's reliable and that's mid size and nothing larger than nine millimeter just to start off with. I just did a video on the, uh, I haven't released it yet, but I did a video on the Ruger Max 9, mm -hmm. you know, that, that new double stack. And it's actually a really great pistol and they're affordable too, which is nice. Yeah. You know? So, you know, it seems like Ruger auto loaders over the years have gone through a lot of, I don't want to say growing pains, but just a lot of revisions. I mean, look at the, the P series, like the P89, and then they went through the P95. Then they went through all of the SR series with the striker fire guns. Mm -hmm. And now they're building all these, you know, micro guns. So it's like the, the firearms industry in general, I guess what people really need to know at, at kind of a bird's eye level about choosing a gun is that because there's so much competition in the firearms industry and there's so much 
everyone's trying to chase that almighty dollar. I mean, look, I get it. But that also breeds a lot of innovation. So that means yeah. that all these major firearms companies are always coming out with really cool stuff. Everybody's trying to get it slimmer. Everybody's trying to get the capacity up. Everybody's trying to get the weight down. Everybody's trying to get the red dot to be smaller and the sights to be, I don't know, better, the trigger to be better. I mean, all the things are trying to always improve the guns. So they're all, it can be a daunting task at first, um, you know, to choose, you know, what type of gun you're going to carry, right? Uh, whether you're confused about which caliber you want to carry or the size of the gun or a brand or whatever the configuration, you know, there's all these options, right? But just know that generally across the board, it's very rare for a company to put out an absolute lemon. Like, you know, they generally are on top of, you know, putting out pretty good products these days. And I think the quality control, Ava, over much of the firearms industry in general has gotten much better over the years, for mm -hmm. sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. And, and again, like Ruger also has like their really great staple guns, like the Ruger 1022. I mean, how long has that gun been around and it's still just going strong, you know? So, um, and I think that's with a lot of guns, you know, like a lot of, or I'm sorry, a lot of manufacturers, they just have those like stable guns, but, absolutely. um, but yeah, I think, I think that is kind of, I think that kind of is a wrap. Um, yeah. So, and if anybody has any questions about becoming an instructor or anything else, like definitely don't hesitate. We want to hear from you. Um, any other questions, anything like that. In the meantime, it's time to hear from our listener of the week. And in order to become a listener of the week, all you have to do is go to the, um, like write us a review on iTunes. So if you have an iPhone, really easy, just search for, well, if you don't have the, the little app, the, the podcast app, um, which it should be on your phone, but if not download it, search for pew pew panel, scroll down, and then you'll, you're able to review us, leave a review, and then you will eventually become listener of the week. And today's review is from uh tactic five stars. Love the duo really love the direction. This podcast is going keep up the great work guys. And you know what? I'm going to do a giveaway, uh, to this person as well, just because we do need, we need those reviews up. Uh, I think we only have like 40 something. So I am going to give away a um, Isotunes uh, Ear Pro, which is my favorite Ear Pro. So guys, I guess TactiQ, uh, email me at pewpewpanel at gmail.com. Send me a good mailing address and I'll get that out to you. And, uh, and then, yeah. And then next week we have um, some, some new sponsors to share with you guys that we're excited about. And, um, and then, yeah, if there's any topic that you guys want us to cover, just let us know. We're happy to cover it. The only thing I want to add, Ava, before we leave is that, you know, if folks are on the fence about training, let's just say that perhaps, you know, you've gotten a lot of conflicting information. You've talked to people and you're thinking, well, I can just get my uncle Bob to train me or something like that. You know, well, look, some training's better than nothing, but I just want people to kind of keep in the back of their minds that, part of our civic duties as gun owners and not only the civic duties as gun owners, but just our duty to ourselves, right? To be mm -hmm. the best version of ourselves. We should always seek out a bit of training and learn as much as we possibly can and make ourselves masters of that instrument. Cause at the end of the day, a gun is just a tool is nothing more than a tool. 
and you are the driver of that tool. You are the carpenter. You're the you're the surgeon. You have to be able to use that tool to the best of its ability. And it's not only a tool that can save you. It's also a tool that can hurt someone else if you're not careful that you don't want to hurt. So yeah. we owe it to ourselves to make sure that we are not putting ourselves in a situation where we're going to hurt someone by mistake or we're going to have an accidental or negligent discharge or have some sort of an issue. So part of our civic duty is to make sure that if you are going to strap a gun on you and carry you in, in public, especially, you need to make sure you understand every bit of your rights and responsibilities as well. You need to know your rights. You also need to know all the legal ramifications. What happens after the shoot, right? Mm -hmm. What 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 should you say to a police officer? What should you not say? So there are a lot of legal ramifications that we didn't even get into any of that, right? So it's just important. Always remember that when you're carrying a gun, it is a big responsibility and you want to make sure that you're setting yourself up for success. For Absolutely. Sure. Yep. Well said. All right, guys. Well, we will talk to you next week. Thanks again for tuning in. Thanks y'all. See ya. Bye-bye.